You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Rise and shine, guys. Thanks for listening in to the Perth Property Show. As always, I'm your host, Trent Fleskins, and this week, we're having a bit of fun. In today's episode, we are talking about selling your triplex unit. It's something that is a little different to selling a normal house. You've obviously got a bit more to consider in terms of floor size and competition with the other triplexes in your development. To help us out with that conversation, we have the man who has sold more triplex units than I think anyone in Western <laughs> Australia. It is Adam Normovsky from the agency. Adam, thanks for coming and helping us with the chat. Thanks for having us again, Trent, and thanks for the introduction, mate. No worries, Adam. I'm super interested in this topic because in my business, we do a lot of this. Quite we right. create triplexes, so I'd like to get some more information from you as the guy who sells the most of them, mm-hmm. how are we going to get the most bang for our buck, whether it's a new one or a secondhand triplex? Yep. How are we going to get the sales price we're looking for? So let's start off with that first point. What type of finishes? Does it make a big difference as to whether it's high spec, medium spec? It makes a huge difference in my opinion, Trent. And the reason being is the market that we're in, there's a lot of stock on the market. Properties are taking longer to sell and buyers have got a lot to choose from. So if you're specking your brand new villas or even your established villas, if they're specced to a lower standard, obviously buyers are going to walk in and walk straight out because there's so much else to choose from. So finishing the property to the highest possible quality is imperative in this market. Things like your thicker stone bench tops, instead of going 20 mil, maybe go 40 mil. Your floor covering is very important. You know, not it's vinyl. First, definitely not vinyl. Definitely not even floating floorboards, in my opinion. Go either hard, solid timber or go a very nice 600 by 600, 800 by 800 tile. Um, that's the way these properties are being finished at the moment. If you're not finishing the homes like this, yes, it costs a little bit extra, but it helps you sell the property quicker and for a higher price. High ceilings, because they are in smaller areas, high ceilings opens up the space. So 31 course as a minimum? As an absolute minimum. You know, nice recessed bulkhead ceilings, things like that to really open it up as much as possible. Light coloured paint on the walls because, you know, I've seen some villas that are darker, neutral colours and, and it just closes the I space guess it off. It looks smaller even if they're not. Yeah, exactly right. So you got to remember, we're working with 100 square metres, maybe of living to 120 square metres of living. It's not a massive space. So you got to open it nice, light, bright get as much natural light in there as possible as well but finishing is very important air cons do we have to go to the ducted not in my opinion because the space once again isn't that big you can get away with a nice reverse cycle ac unit in the living dining area and then have the option for the buyer if they want it we can install you one in the master bedroom as well the reverse cycle ducted is not a necessity with the villas in my opinion what about things like overhead cupboards in the kitchen and yep. laundry storage right it's important with the smaller places it is most definitely and i love to see as many overheads as possible you know i know myself living with a couple of young kids you can never get enough storage yes definitely makes a difference however i don't believe it's a deal breaker those are the things that people are thinking about though when they're buying a triplex as you said in the westminster spotlight mm-hmm. a little while ago it's young families so they're thinking about where we put the toys it's spot on young families or people looking to have a start a family in the near future uh, and when you're working with smaller amounts of space like that storage is very crucial all right let's move on to that next point internal living size internal yes. living space can you run us through some minimum sizes that you think are necessity so that people can see themselves living there yeah so um, it can get a little bit tight and tricky sometimes with these development sites especially on your sort of 700 to 728 square meter block where it's a common driveway scenario your living dining spaces can be a bit small so like i said usually working up around sort of 95 to 100 square meters on that size block that's why we always encourage people to 
purchase potentially the biggest possible block to build three bigger units to get the bigger living dining spaces makes a massive difference for your sale price and makes a huge difference you know you can see yourself when you walk in where you're going to put your dining table where you're going to put your living area it's all just one open plan space so the bigger you can get your living dining space the easier it's going to be to sell and the, the higher sale price you're going to get. And what about bedrooms? Do we have a bit of a standard yes, there? Yes, we do. Well, I, I, well, obviously, I've got a standard, but I like to see and what I think sells better. And that's obviously making your master bedroom as, as big as possible so that you can get a nice double or queen bed in there with two bedside cabinets, I think is very crucial because the people that are buying these types of properties are first-home buyers, young families. They're going to spend their time in the master bedroom. The second bedroom should be able to accommodate a double bed at least. The third bedroom, I believe you can always sacrifice to have it as a size of a study. Have the robe in there. They might, might turn it into a nursery or something down the track. But yeah, your master and your second bedroom should be enough for the double bed. And then the third bedroom can be a bit smaller. Theatres, do we need them? They help? We, we don't need them. They definitely help. And when we, when you can incorporate that second living area, we, I think on average, would experience a sale price of maybe 30 to 40 grand more than what you're getting without that second living area. These are usually properties that are on a corner or something like that where you can get that extra space but and that's the perfect segue into our next point yeah. <laughs> corner sites corner that's sites. you're adding space there because you yeah. have a driveway it's the absolute creme de la creme of development sites is getting something on a corner no common driveway creating three street frontage properties they are usually in the city of sterling you'll find that they're a bit bigger or anywhere really but you'll find that those blocks are a bit bigger than the average a you're saving on the driveway a square meterage but b you're getting nice three you know, corner presence properties. You usually be able to incorporate that second living area or that fourth bedroom. We've got some being built at the moment in Olimara for a developer where he's gone a nice big corner block. He's gone two three by twos with a theater and one four by two, which we've already getting massive amounts of inquiry on and they're being sold off the plan. In this market, we've already got an offer on one in the market where wow. the market's flooded simply because on a corner and you're just offering the buyers that little bit of extra space always in massive demand in, in those areas. As a percentage, can you give us a rough idea as to how much more a corner yeah. block unit will sell? I'd be at around the 10% mark. Wow. So if we're thinking about $400,000 units and we can get an extra 10% on that, that's yep. 40 grand times 320 grand. Massive that difference. That helps you reverse engineer what extra you could pay for a corner block if you're doing a development. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, it doesn't usually add up like that. So usually I, I would say your corner sites that are a bit bigger, probably on average sell for maybe five percent more than than the uh, sale price of a smaller development site so you can see the numbers stack up there how about furnishing yes furnishing the units they're smaller so i don't know about you but when i think of it, when i look at an empty house especially the empty units you go how am i going to fit my bed in this room yep I guess the furnishing takes away that need from imagination. It, it does, Trent. And and once again, I'll go back to the fact that a lot of the people purchasing these properties are first-home buyers. They've never bought a home before. They've never even gone through the experience. A lot of them are just leaving mum and dad. So they've never even looked at a rental or lived in a rental before. So it's their first experience. Now, they're walking into these spaces, which are pretty tight as it is, and they can't picture what it's going to look like with furniture. They can't visually see in their heads what this property is going to look like once they're living there. So creating that for them makes a massive difference the investment is so small to what you're going to get what are we as a sale price usually on average two thousand dollars to stage a three-bedroom two-bathroom villa and i would say that your sale price would be probably three or four times that investment not just that as well i think the more importantly the days on market so i think we chatted about this before off mic that we did a, an exercise a couple of years ago to see staged properties to unstaged properties brand new villas in the area what your average days on market were and there was about a 30 to 40 day difference to properties that had furnishings in there in comparison to they didn't now they were same sort of finished homes i think one of them were built from the same builder as 
as well, two development sites. And it was just the one that was furnished, sold so quick that what we would do, we'd sell the one with the furniture, then get that furniture, move it into the next unit, and funny enough, that would be the next one to sell. And then you move into the next one, and that, that would go too. If you're in a development of three, we've even had something in the development of six where we've moved the furniture around. It's always the one with the furniture in there to sell first. And sometimes these villas are identical. The, the floor space is identical. And we would think, oh, the worst one's the middle one, so we'll put it in there first, then we'll move it. But then the middle one would sell straight away because the furniture was in there. So... Wow, that's, Funny. Yep. It's, it's, it's interesting. And also, I think if you can furnish things quite smartly, yep. you can give the illusion that there is more space than there yeah, is by having is. efficient furniture and not just that big corner unit you got yep. from your parents' house on your way out. Chokes I mean, up the whole living dining yeah. space. You can't even fit a dining table in some of these after. Yep. Definitely the way that they're furnished, professionally done, obviously, does paint an image that there is a lot more space there than than actually once you're actually living in there. At least it's showing you how you could efficiently use that space. Spot on. And that's what people yep. need to and see. And you're painting a picture for first home buyers. They can see what it's like when they move in there. It's yeah, it's definitely worth its weight in gold. Lastly, let's talk about which ones are worth more. You referenced it quickly in terms of the middle one. But if we're talking about a triple X was front, middle, rear, yep. which ones generally sell for more and less? Okay, so as you said, we've had quite a bit of experience selling these um, villa complexes. And if I was to do a survey over the last 15 years, I would say definitely the front unit is the one that's always in most demand in a complex. Reason being, they've usually got their own driveway and street front presence. You know, you've got a little bit of a verge with a bit of lawn and the majority of buyers will always go for a street front property, especially in a market like it is now where they're spoilt for choice. The street front property is always the highest demand. Followed very closely by the rear unit and the rear unit is more for the people that are on their own that want that extra security. Don't want to be at the front of the street. They like to be tucked away at the back of the complex. They're the ones that we usually find will go straight for the back unit. And then obviously the lucky last is, is the middle unit. Now the middle unit, you'll find that usually the floor plan of the middle unit is the best out of the three, the most accommodating out of the three. And that's because usually they are the hardest to sell. Adam, those are some really good insights. Uh, I know that when I'm thinking about building my next triplex, I'll take yep. these into consideration. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. We'll have you in soon. Thanks for having us again, Trent. Pleasure. Now for today's Suburb Spotlight, we are talking about Craigie in the city of Joondalup, one of my favorite up-and-comers. And to help us out, we've got Craigie's number one real estate agent, Alan Ray. Alan, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having me. Alan, Craigie's one of those ones where it's in that gentrification period right now, being helped out by a bit of that rezoning that's coming through. We'll talk about it later. But can you give us a bit of a background as to what Craigie has been to the community in the last 30, 40 years? When was it first subdivided and what was created? What have we got there? Yeah, well, look, basically, Craigie started in the uh, the 1970s, early 1970s. At that point, it was the uh, the furthest point north, so sort of like your Alkimoses of today, if you like. And people thought of it as Alkimos back then, didn't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The uh, very few shops. I think Dunkraig was the uh, the closest shopping centre. No Whitford City, no Junelum. Yep. Nothing but sand dunes around, really. What sort of blocks are we talking? Most of the original blocks are still there. How big are they? And what sort of houses? Are they double brick? Are they fibro? Yeah, look, basically the whole suburb is, is brick and tile. Very rare you'll, you'll find anything on fibro. All cement slabs or 99% of them. Average block size is around that high sixes, low sevens. Vast majority of the properties, three ones and four ones. The four twos are, are a minority in the suburb. I guess that reflects the time. Three by ones and four by ones was the Vogue uh, way to build back in those days. And we haven't really seen a lot of knockdown and upgrades in that time, have we? Four by twos, five by twos, the big stuff. That probably caps out in your Warwicks and Dunkraigs. When you start getting onto Craigie, we haven't yet seen that regeneration of new builds, two-story builds and whatnot. And maybe that's it's our time now for that. 
Yeah, look, and, and most of the people that have been buying into Craigie over the last 30 years realize that three ones and four ones were the typical property in, in the area, and that's what they've come to expect. We've covered that off, haven't we, the type of property. Do you see anything in terms of units or apartments in Craigie yet? Has that come on? Well, you've got the Vive Apartments, or the Vivo Apartments, rather. They're in the old high school estate, which is a private little estate. That's a fairly new development that's come through, isn't it? Just over the last two years. Yep. So there was only 12 properties in there. In the oldest part of the suburb, under the regeneration, under the redevelopment, there is an apartment complex on Macedon Place, which is currently under construction, and that's the first one. There is a lot of properties being knocked down in the older part of the suburb now, though, for development, but mainly duplex and triplex development rather than apartments. So let's talk about some price points for those. If we were going to pick up a three by one or a four by one, what are we looking to pay right now? Very, very little under the sort of 400 capacity. There have been a, an odd one, but anything that's on a re- reasonable flat block, 680 to 720, you're really going to be looking in that sort of least low 400s. Obviously, given that the city of Joondalup has strategically split up what will be developed and what hasn't been zoned for development, there's a bit of a price difference as you've got different types of buyers going in buying them, don't you? You do indeed. From an investment point of view, I haven't sold a property on the non-rezoned section of Craigie for over 12 months. Yeah. So anyone looking for investment, they're all looking for one thing, and that's if, if not development now, it's that future development potential. I guess that is going to create a bit of a differential in the market, isn't it? Where there's the haves and the have-nots of Craigie, the people that were lucky enough to have bought sometime in the past where Sea of Joondalup has decided it's a strategic area to redevelop and then those on the eastern side that maybe haven't. Correct. And look, years ago, the properties on the eastern side are actually a little bit younger. Hmm. So they tend to be a little bit bigger floor plan, a little bit more modern. So with some buyers in the past, they were a little bit more popular. Then all of a sudden, the city of Joondalup rezones the older part of Craigie and suddenly everything changes. So what sort of people are living in Craigie? Are we got young families to have old retirees? We have established families, singles. What sort of people are buying off of you? Um, we've got a whole cross spectrum of those of all of those uh, that you've just mentioned, uh, Trent, realistically. A lot of first home buyers, always been a big home buyer suburb. It's a good price point for home buyers, especially with that $430,000 stamp duty limit. That's exactly where Craigie sits right now. Absolutely. And, and it's just the fact that it's close to everything. You know, it's for 20 kilometers to Perth. Um, you're a couple of k's from the beach. You've got Whitford. You've got Joondalup. It, it, it really is a well-located suburb. From a first home buyer's point of view, they can go a lot further north and get much newer, bigger properties. Uh, the main thing we hear from first home buyers, it's that commute distance. Um, you know, it's a good balance between price and distance from the city and the ocean. Exactly. And that comes from, I guess, the vintage of the house, but also having the opportunity to maybe knock it down and make some money or keep the older house and, and knock down the backyard and knock down the home loan at the same time. Yep. And and we've got people doing all of the above, basically. Yeah. Um, some people are buying them as a first home to live there with no interest in development now. Um, I've got people who are buying them and subdividing the rear blocks to try and cut the mortgage right away. Um, and people buying them to knock over right away. Yeah, and that leads us on to that next point of development potential. Let's nut down into it a little further. Let's talk about the zoning particularly that's coming into Craigie by the city of Joondalup and what it means given the block sizes we've got. Well, they've, the city of Joondalup basically have redeveloped or rezoned half of the suburb when it comes to Craigie. So Where did it split in half? What, what major street? So Eddystone Avenue is the main thoroughfare that cuts the suburb in half. 
everything on the west side of that street intersecting with all the major highways so craigie drive marmion avenue whitford's avenue that whole western side now has a jula 2040 coding mm. so in the past you needed a minimum of 900 to subdivide because you had to have an average of 450 um, now obviously under that r40 coding you're going to be right down to an average plot size of 220 so uh, yeah very very big difference exactly that makes it up when you've got 685 or 710 square meter blocks Having that ability to do R40, given the average is 220, means we're doing triplexes if the money stacks up. Uh, and it does stack up for, for our clients in a lot of cases. What I find is we're making sure of a couple of things. Firstly, that given the, it's a bit tighter in terms of square meterage, the dimensions are pretty standard so we can fit some good blocks on there. And also we're looking at gradient. The city of Joondalup has a lot of hilly substrate. There seems to be a vogue back in the day where the backyard would be raised on limestone or stone retaining. That can look great, but for a developer, it costs money. Correct. And obviously from a development point of view, the uh, you know the lower the cost, the better. So at R40 with triplexes, are there any rules specifically regarding the way that you get things done in the city of Joondalup that may be different to the way that other cities uh, have proposed their zoning? I think the only difference I'm aware of, Trent, is if it's a front-to-rear triplex, the front property has to have the driveway coming off the common property and not separate from the street, which which are the shires allow. And that's something I think we all need to consider when we're talking about frontage and the way that we can fit these smaller triplexes in. Uh, it starts to become more important. Another thing that I've noticed, Alan, is the ability to do the apartment buildings, normally at R40, the WAPC allows for boutique apartments to come in. City of Joondalup have come in and said, no, look, R60 is our minimum. That's where we'll start allowing boutique apartments as well. So that might uh, indicate that in Craig, we might not see as much of that. But given the sizes, the square meterage being 685 and 700, I guess we don't have to build triplexes at R40. There's no reason why we couldn't be doing a house behind houses. The houses are solid, as we said, they're double brick houses from the 70s, 80s, uh, or knocking the houses down and putting two side by sides if we can get above 20 metre frontage, which is another City of Joondalup rule. Yep. And certainly, look, over the past 18 months since the rezoning went through, the street frontage lots certainly have been the most popular. They've been the quickest seller in, in the suburb. I've also had clients that have knocked old houses down and rather do trip than do triplex developments, have just done two bigger properties, you know, bigger three by twos up around the 300 square meters blocks, just thinking that they're, they're selling to a wider audience because they've got a bigger property, not just the downsizers. So people are taking a wide view of, of possibilities in the suburb. I think that's a really good outcome. What it means is that we're going to get more product variants and it won't just be uh, in 15 years, like for example, a Balga, a, just a denser version of what it was before. You're going to see a bit more variation. You're going to have some bigger properties that people can spend some money on making quite good quality. Yeah, look, and I think that's very important given the fact that we've already stated today that there's a wide spectrum of buyers for Craigie, from your first home buyers to your downsizers, right across the board, that there is a need for variety. So let's tie up why people would be moving to Craigie. What features do Craigie have? Is it within Craigie or is it more its proximity to other great features in that northern suburb area? The location within the northern suburbs, I think, is, is very important. The fact that we are only 20 kilometres to, to Perth, the fact that we are only a couple of k's to Mullaloo Beach, the fact that we've got easy access to rail, 
um, easy access to freeway to the city. Retail, obviously, Whitford City, Joondalup City, you're not even that far from Caranup City. So mm. the, the suburb is very, very well located. Within the suburb, um, obviously, you've got the Craigie Leisure Centre, which is very popular. You've got a lot of public open space. You've got a lot of parks. Um, so the suburb has a lot of positives for, for, for young first home buyers and for retirees who just that want that lock-up-and-leave lifestyle. For me, in the city of Joondalup, it's the closest suburb to the city that competes at the same price point as your new house and land packages like Alchemos and whatnot. So whilst you may have been thinking, look, the only way I can afford to build in the northern suburbs or to live in the northern suburbs at this price point is to go out to Alchemos. Now with all this new development especially, you be able to move into a brand new side-by-side or house behind a house or a triplex so much closer to the city. And if that's something that you consider to be more important than maybe being meters from the beach, Craigie is a real alternative. Absolutely. And look, ironically, I've met buyers recently who I met a couple of years ago who decided to take the other option and, and build the newer properties in, in Alkimos, for argument's sake, and, and Janchep, who are now trying to sell those properties and, and buy around Craigie because after a couple of years of the commute, they just can't take it anymore. I think it's a smart move. You know, money is made in land, not in the house. And what's happening in Alkmos is people are buying half the land and spending just as much on the house. So if you can get into a place in Craigie and maybe one day it's a future development option for you, I think it's a great way to not only just have the lifestyle that people in the city of Joondalup are looking for, but also possibly have something to make money on in the future. Now, every week, Alan, we ask our number one real estate agent if they had the median house price worth of money in their pocket, what would they be buying with it? I'm going to ask you that question. What's your choice, Alan? I would definitely buy the the smaller 3-1 on, the, on the, the, the bigger block in the R20, R40 pocket. Something I could happily rent out now in the medium to short to medium term, but definitely with a view to development down the track. Alan, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you again soon for an update. Not a problem, Trent. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!